0: Have you ever noticed um, when when you find yourself, you know, going through something that you've never been through before in life, where you're you're kind of facing an obstacle that 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 you're not really sure how to overcome? Have you ever noticed that that when you when you are with somebody? Who, who has been through it before, or when you're with somebody who, who knows like, w- what to do, how it just brings you so much comfort. Like when, when you're in a place that you, you don't know what to do, you don't know the way forward, you don't know, you've never been there before. Have you ever noticed how just having someone with you who knows what to do, just brings so much comfort? Now I was thinking about this several years ago. I went down to Haiti. Um, to visit some of our friends that are actually part of our church family, uh, Ronnie and Steph, and, and they were living down in Haiti. And 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 I remember, you know, going to this you know third world country. And, and there was all kinds of just kind of chaos happening in Haiti at the time, you know, government, corruption of government, and, and a coup that was literally underway, and, and I didn't speak the language, and all these just kind of fears, and, and I remember Ronnie and Steph, you know, telling me at Haiti, hey, just walking me through, hey, when you get off the plane, you need to have $11 in your hand, <laughs> and you got to pay $11 to the customs people to get through, and, and when you get to the airport, don't talk to anybody, and stay away from this guy, and you know, every, people are going to be trying to ask you for things, and, and, and you just make a beeline out the door and you find us. And, and the, the whole time we were in Haiti, you know, hey, don't eat that. Don't touch that. Don't talk to them. Don't drink that. And, and it was so encouraging if you've ever been in a place that, that you, you, you've never been before. Just having someone who knows, who speaks the language, who, who understands that can just walk with you and it just brings so much comfort. You know, two Sundays ago, we, we began a, a new teaching series called God Is you know, blank, dot, dot, dot. And the subtitle being Exploring the Indescribable Character of God. And Andrew has taught so well the past two weeks by, by anchoring us in this passage in Exodus chapter 34 where, where God describes himself. And, and this is a really big moment in, in scripture and in history. Just think about, uh, just think about this. You know, when, when you're introducing yourself to someone, So we did this with our house church. You know, our house church got kicked off this past Wednesday night. We're going around the room and and you're introducing yourself. You you tell people about your name and and, and what you enjoy and and, and what you're like. And I love this because in Exodus 34, it's this this moment where God introduces himself. And and God tells us his his personal name, that, that his name isn't God and his name's Yahweh. And his name literally means I am. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm going, that's, that's confusing. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? And, and what he's conveying through that is, is his limitlessness. That, that he's helping us the, the, the most that we can understand. You, know, It's like this, you know, this, this rocket science, scientist trying to explain something to a baby. We can't fully understand. And he's wanting us to understand in his name. It, it, could, it, it, it defines his limitlessness. And so last week, Andrew talked about how how God is eternal, that literally God is limitless in in, in his being, that he wasn't created, that God was there in the very beginning, that God will be there in the very end. And today, we're gonna continue pressing into Yahweh, continue pressing into his name. And this morning, we're gonna be looking at at how God is is all-knowing, the limitless of the knowledge of God. Isaiah chapter 40 is where we're going to begin this morning, starting in verse 13. Throw that first slide up, please, if, if, if you're reading along with us on 500, if you're in one of our Bibles. If not, you know, open your scripture, look at this. This is verse 13. It says, who can fathom the mind of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of of understanding? And I love this this question, what what is going on here? Because the, the answer, it's a rhetorical question. No one. You know, God, God can't be taught anything because he knows everything already. And, and and I love this this detail. We see it on, on a macro scan. This 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 grand scheme of things. You know that that everything that we are discovering in life, God already knows about it. I was talking to my friend Ryan Gatsey. Ryan's a part of our church family. A couple of weeks ago, we were grabbing lunch, and, and he was telling me about the process of, of he um, and, and his wife like be, be, um, getting getting married. And so he he started to tell me about this place in the Smoky Mountains called Elkmont. Have I mean, you guys ever heard of Elkmont? Raise your hand if you've ever been there, heard of it. So a couple of you guys. And so he starts, of course you have, you know, Jonathan being from Knoxville. He starts telling me about this place. He said, so two weeks out of the year or, you know, this really short window of the year, there's this place in the Smoky Mountains in Elkmont where all these fireflies go to. And, and it's mating season. And he said, so you rent this campsite and then you, you have to hike into this place and, and you walk into it at night. And he said, and there are just fireflies everywhere. Throw those pictures up, Todd, for, for us to look at this morning. And so you can't, doesn't do justice on, on Google. Right. And so you need to go there. That's what I'm saying. Like figure out when the dates are. Um, and, and, and there's something about these, these things. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you've, you've gone scuba diving in the coral reef and you discovered something or you love watching the history channel or whatever it is. And, and, and all these amazing things that, that we discover. And what's so cool is that God knows about all of them. What, what Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are doing up in space, trying to discover—it's like God knows it all. Let your mind go there. There's nothing in all of creation that God doesn't understand, that God doesn't know about. My kids have been having this conversation. In the fact, you can take those pictures down, Todd. Think. My kids the past couple weeks have been saying, "Hey, Dad, um, what grade is the hardest in school?" <laughs> you know, and 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 they said to me this week, you know, I you know I think college is the easiest because when you get to college, you know everything already. And like, college students think that. Like, I thought that when I was in college. Like, you know, I, you know and, and, and it was this funny moment because, you know, none of us know everything. We spend our whole life pursuing knowledge. You know, you spend your whole life trying to learn, trying to discern, and, and there's always more. And it's amazing that every language in the world God knows that God can hear our brothers and sisters in China praying. That God can discern the, the languages in the Middle East. That God hears it. He understands it. He, discuss, he knows things on a macro scale. And you also discover this in the Bible, that, that he understands things on a very micro level, on a personal level. So as much as God knows about the fireflies that help in, in, in East Tennessee in late May and early June, God knows us. You know, think about this, when, when someone you look up to, someone you respect, someone that's kind of older than you, further down the journey than you, is you're having one of those moments where, where someone like that, that shouldn't know you, that shouldn't remember you, remembered your name, and, and it's like, whoa, how, how do you know me? Like how do you remember? I'm, I am a nobody. I am nothing. You've got so many more things going on in your world. And, and the fact that when someone looks at you and, and they remember you, and they, it does something inside of us. And I go, what you see in scripture over and over and over and all throughout scripture is that, is that God knows us this way. The president of your company, the superintendent of your school might not know your name, but the creator of the universe does. And I think you miss this detail. We, Or maybe not you, I won't say that. Maybe you don't miss it. Maybe I miss this. Maybe that's what I should say. Reading through the Bible, just how, how beautiful this is. You know, in 1 Samuel, I've been reading through 1 Samuel with my kids at night. Put them to bed, read them a chapter of scripture at night. We're reading through 1 Samuel, and I love the, 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 the way that God doesn't just look at humanity and generally know us, but he zooms in, and he knows people by name. I love it. Starts off in 1 Samuel chapter 1 with this woman named Hannah, and she's struggling because she wants a baby so bad, and she doesn't have a baby, and she's crying out to God, and crying out to God, and crying out to God for years, and years, and years, and years, and, years. and I love it. At the end of 1 Samuel chapter one it says and god remembered her and the idea isn't that oh like god forgot about her and then all of a sudden she came back to his memory no the 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 remembrance is that he never forgot matthew uh, he remembered to pick up the groceries on the way home so Catherine claire was very happy with that he he didn't forget about it god did not forget about hannah You skip a few chapters later in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and God is going to appoint the king over his beloved people, the nation of Israel. And he says to Samuel, I want you to go to to this little insignificant town, Bethlehem. And there's a dad there named Jesse. I go, think about how specific that is. God knows us. He knows us intimately. It's not just in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament where, where there's this man who was despised. He was despicable. People hated him because he took advantage. He took advantage of the people who were working hard to, to benefit himself. And he hears that Jesus is coming to town and he wants to see Jesus. So he gets ahead of Jesus where Jesus is on this, 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 this trail and he gets ahead of him. He climbs up in this tree and Jesus walks by him and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus? And you think about what that would have been like. You never met him before. For this guy to know him by name, and you see this over and over again in John chapter four, Jesus meets this woman whose life had just been incredibly difficult. He has this conversation with her and, and he says to her, hey, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. In fact, you've had five husbands. The, woman that you're, or the man that you're living with right now is not your husband. And she has this, this, this reality. Oh, this guy knows me. But have you ever had a moment in your life where you realize that, that God saw you, that God knew you? Think about that. Think about a time in your life where you realize that the God of the universe, you are not just on his radar, but he knows you. Maybe it was an, an answer to a, a personal private prayer that no one else knew about. But you prayed and God answered and, 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 and you go, man, God, you know me. Or have you ever gotten a, a call or a text from a brother or sister at just the right time? You know, or an email or man, you're, or a neighbor shows up. You're just going through life. It's beating you up. And then all of a sudden, like uh, someone's name pops up on your phone. Hey, I've been thinking about you. And it's like, whoa, God. Or maybe you've got a, 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 a word of knowledge. Or a prophetic word from someone. You ever had a moment where you realized the God of the universe, he knows you. He sees you. I remember several years ago, a friend of mine saying, hey, I was, I was praying for you and I got this, this word. And I want, you need to discern it, you need to weigh it. He said, but I feel like it's from the Lord. And I want you, I want you just to share this with you. And, and in his word, he said, the that as I was praying for you, he said, I saw Gideon. I saw Gideon's army. It's in uh, Judges chapter six. And the thing about Gideon is he he was leading the the nation of Israel. And there were all these people. And God says, I don't need that many people. I just need a few people. And so the idea is that Gideon's army really shrunk, (laughs) became really small. And he said, he said, the word that I have for you is, um, man, you're, you're leading Gideon's army. He says, and it's not about the size of the army. It's about the faith of the few. So lead my people. And he shared that word with me. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want that. Like, I don't want a, a, a shrinking. I don't want a, a small, you know, that's not, that's not what I, that I want. And I go, man, I look, I go, you think the past 18 months, we've become much smaller as a church family. That's not a bad thing. There's intimacy, there's, there's possibility for us to really know each other and walk with each other and, and lean in, but I was, I, was, I was thinking about that word. I've thought about it many times and I'm going, whoa, God. Or my sister Rebecca shared a word with me. Hey, I, I felt like God was saying that there are gonna be many people who used to follow, who were apart, and, and, and they're gonna fall away, they're gonna pull back. But you're gonna have a lot more people that, that join with you. And I go, just thinking about that, just thinking about when, when, when the God of the universe sees, it stirs something inside of you. Guys, God knows us. And I love this. He, he knows us by name. He knows our thoughts. He knows our actions. He knows our motives. He knows what's going on in our head and our heart. I love Psalm chapter 139. Throw up this slide. I want us to hear these words just real quick. Starting in verse two, Psalm 139. It's on page 433 if you're using one of our Bibles. This is what David said. He says, God, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Not just my word, you you know my thoughts. You discern my going out and my lying down. He says, you know my motives. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, God, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I love this. You know, this, this week as I was reading Psalm 139, as I was thinking about the, the all-knowing ability of God, my initial response was, oh no. Man, because the reality is as much as I love Jesus and try to follow Jesus and live my life under his lordship, the fact that God knows my unspoken thoughts, my unseen motives, I go, does anyone else, is that a little bit scary? And my, my thoughts were initially, as I'm reading through 139, oh man, this is, that is bad news. But the more that, the more that I thought about this, the more that I prayed into this, that, 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 that I started thinking, man, God knows everything about us. And what does God do with that knowledge? You know, God could expose us. You know, he could reveal all of our hidden thoughts and all of our motives. He could, he could humiliate us. But what does he do with that knowledge? You know, the night before Jesus was betrayed, Jesus is is sitting around a table, eating a meal with people who would betray him. Can you imagine sharing a meal with people who would betray you? And yet he sat at the table and he ate with them. And, 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 and what does God do with, with all of our, our sinful thoughts and our sinful motives and all that? He dies for us. Whoa. He lays down his life forgive us you see our god's not out to to humiliate us and he's not out to to haunt us with our past no this this week god was reminding me that god wants to help us and i don't want to spend the rest of our time together this morning talking about how god uses his knowledge to help us and the first thing that, that god does is is that he cleanses us with his knowledge, with full understanding of our thoughts and our hidden motives and our ways, God cleanses us. You know, in Jesus' teaching, his instruction his, what was always aimed at the inner person. That nothing frustrated more, Jesus, more than, than people who, who had it together on the outside, but on the inside were an absolute just hypocrite. <laughs> You see, Jesus was, was not interested in, in, in behavior simply being modified. No, what Jesus was interested in was, was touching the heart, was, was goodness and purity and holiness flowing from, from the inside out. And yes, God does care about the external, but he doesn't care about the external if the internal is not right with him. And so Jesus would say things like this in Matthew chapter 6. Hey, you've heard that it was said, don't murder But I tell you, don't be angry with a brother or sister without cause. Or he'll say things like this. Hey, when you give to the needy or when you pray or when you fast, don't do it with ulterior motives. Don't do those things so that that people see you and so they're so impressed by the, the wordiness of your prayers or by how much money you give. He says, don't do things to be recognized, to be praised, to be adored by people. You see, what what he desires is for us to live not this duplicitous life. See, he wants to cleanse us. He wants to give us a new heart. He knows the, 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 the thoughts and the ways of our, of our heart. It's why we need to be saved. It's why we need to, to become one with Christ, to, to be filled with his Holy Spirit because he knows that unless we let him put us to death and give us new life, we will continue to be people who, who put a show on the outside but whose hearts are far from him. He desires to forgive us, literally, Peter says it like this, to cleanse our consciences. To help us. To help us say no to temptation. To help us recognize when, when the enemy is coming with his accusing uh, adversarial voice. To remind us of our failures. See, God was reminding me like, how, how different life is when we understand with his full knowledge that, that he's come to cleanse us not to expose us and humiliate us, but to help us, to give us a new heart, to go to the root cause of things, to make us holy. Maybe this is true for for you. It's definitely true of me at certain times. Man, when do we get in the most trouble? Think about like growing up, when do you get in the most trouble? When you do things, when you think no one else is looking, right? a lie we tell, you know, whatever it is. And, and he was reminding me that he's watching over us. He knows what's going on all the time. And he uses that information to cleanse us. The second thing that God does is, is that he, he calls us back when we stumble. You know, I, I, I think this is so beautiful about the knowledge of God that he understands us. He understands our ways and our thoughts. You know, when we sin, who are we really hiding from? We're hiding from ourselves when we don't come into the light. You know, God sees it. You see this in Genesis chapter three, man and woman, they sin and they go hiding. And who comes looking for them? God does. They don't go looking for God. They run from God. They're scared of God. They're hiding from God. And God goes looking for them. And I think this is so beautiful because, man, so often we sin. We think we have to go high. We have to run. And God comes looking for us. You know, when my kids... You know, I just, I just want them to tell the truth. <laughs> to live in the light. We can have relationship because when there's relationship, there's, there, there, there's truth and there's trust. And that's what God wants from us. To be really honest with ourselves, to be really honest. And when we sin, we don't have to pretend. We don't have to God sees it, bring it into the light, bring it before him. He cleanses us. He calls us back. I love what God does with knowledge of us. The third thing that he does is he comforts us. In our struggles, in our pain, in our suffering, you need to know this, God is aware. You know, the, the things that maybe you don't voice to anyone else, the pain in your heart, the pain in your, God sees it. And if we're being really honest, when we, when we go through hard things in life, We just want God to take it away, amen? Like, we just want God to fix it. Like, none of us go, thank you, Lord, I love this. When when we're in struggles, the the, the prayer is, God, please get me out of this, please move me. And I think that's a a great prayer that I pray, okay? (laughs) And so often in, in the infinite knowledge of God, God doesn't change the change. He doesn't choose to change our circumstance. But what I found so often in, in, in the seasons of struggle and pain, what God will do is he will let us know that he cares and he'll let us do that so often by, by letting other people in on what's going on in our lives. You now, I remember my sophomore year of college, my parents getting divorced. Just devastating, so unbelievably hard. And I remember I had this guy who is still pouring into me to this day. I was at RA retreat my sophomore year. He pulls me aside. Hey, how are you doing? Not really good. Just found out my parents are getting divorced. And what I wanted is for, for healing and reconciliation of my parents' marriage. And that hasn't happened. But what has happened is that throughout the past 16 years, I've had this same friend who continues to ask, who continues to care. And I go, man, there's something that happens when someone knows what's going on in your life and they actually care. And your God cares about what's going on in your life. And I can't tell you why he hasn't changed your circumstances. Maybe he'll answer that in this life. Maybe you'll get an answer in the next life. Maybe you won't, but what you need to know is that God is aware of your suffering and your pain and your heartache and your struggle, and he absolutely cares. And he's not indifferent to it, and he's not aloof. He's not just going, just get through it, just you know, hang it. No, no, he understands it. Christ stepped into this world, experienced the struggle and the suffering. He understands it. He's aware of what's going on in your life. Man, I love that, that God uses this knowledge to comfort us. Man, he, and I could talk about this all day. I need to, I need to get through this, man. But, but you can trust you know, the, that when you've been wronged, when you've been hurt, when you've been taken advantage of, God will remember it and take care of it. Romans chapter 12 says, do not seek revenge, I'll take care of it. I'll repay. Take comfort in that. Knowing that the places that you've been mistreated and, 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 and looked over and forgotten, that God has not forgotten. And We know this because one of God's greatest desires in all of life is to, is to vindicate his son, Jesus. That the, the greatest desire of the father's heart, and you see this in, in the parables that, that he talks about, the, the wedding banquet of the son. It's like a king who's getting things ready for his son, and and the reality is that Christ is gonna return. It's gonna be a glorious day because what the Father wants is to give everything that Jesus has earned, to give it to him for the world to understand the greatness and the glory and the honor of what Christ has done for laying down his life for people like us who don't care, who, who trample on it, who, who, who treat God like we're, like that, that he, he's under us, like he has to answer to us. And the thing that God is desiring is for the world to see the beauty and the greatness and the fullness of the heart of Jesus who laid down his life for sinners who would neglect and turn their backs on. And the heart of the father is that the, be- the wedding banquet is coming and the, the people of God will give God the glory that his son is due. You can bet it. That the desire of the Father is that Jesus will get what he deserves and people who mock him and scoff him and who care nothing about it. And it's weird to think about in this life because, you know, we're going to pray about this in a minute, but, but that there are people who, who know God and want nothing to do with God. This is Satan, this is Satan's story. Rebellion is in the heart of Satan. He wanted to be God, not to serve God. And there are people around us that that God has showed up to in dreams and visions that they've heard the gospel and they say, I don't wanna live under the lordship of Jesus. And for those who neglect his son, a son who didn't come and rule as a a tyrant, who didn't come and establish this, you're gonna bow down this, this king who came and served and laid down his life. A king that shows the goodness of the heart. And anyone who rejects him, God will make sure his son is vindicated and he'll make sure you're vindicated. You can trust him with that. Our God is a God of justice, that's who he is. A God of truth, a God who does not overlook and forget. God, this, guys, this should comfort us. The knowledge of God, he, he doesn't just use his knowledge to, to, to remind us of our sin, no, God, he uses this, this knowledge. He never forgets the way you're mistreated. He doesn't forget. He knows our future. Guys, this should bring us so much comfort as followers of Jesus. He knows how our story ends. The end of our life, when Christ returns, it says that the dead, if, if Christ doesn't come back in our lifetime, you know, it's, it's, if we die, it says that the dead will be raised. That, that, that when we die, that's not it for us, guys. When you put your faith in Christ, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when you've aligned your life under the lordship of Jesus, when Christ returns, even if you're dead, you will raise from the dead. It says you will be with him forever. I go, this story, we know how the story is. We don't have to fear death. And yeah, we don't know how our life's gonna turn out. We don't know what heartaches and struggle, man. Who knows what comes, but God knows. God knows. And just like Ronnie and Steph, who had me in Haiti, you know, God's gonna allow us to go through hard things, okay? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that, hey, if you become a Christian, life's easy. No, it's the exact opposite. When you become a follower, life gets harder exponentially harder but God he sees us and he comforts he knows what we need and he will give us what we need he is all knowing he's going to raise you from the you have nothing to fear in life if everything's taken from you you have God Think about this. The end of your life, Kate. You're gonna stand in front of, uh, well, this is my next point. Let's go here, okay? Last point. He cleanses us with his knowledge, right? So, so he, 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 he lets us live in the light. He calls us back when we sin. So we don't have to pretend. We don't have to hide. He knows it. We can just confess it. You know, we don't have to live in fear that the third thing, he comforts us, that, that God's gonna raise us from the dead, that he's not gonna forget and overlook the, the hardness of which we've been treated. And the fourth thing, I think this is so beautiful about the knowledge of God that he doesn't forget any good things that you do. Now, now here, this is what I'm saying. We're, we're saved by faith alone, okay? We're saved by, by faith in Jesus. What the story of Scripture tells that over and over again. You're not saved by your works. You're not saved because you're a nice person. You're saved when you understand that Christ has died for you. And you give your life to him. But I also want you to know that Scripture says this. That, that God, 2 Corinthians 5.10, that all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each of us may receive the things due in the body, whether... Good or bad. And I think often we think about, oh, the bad. But hear what Paul's saying. That there's gonna be a day where Christ is gonna look at Kate and he's just gonna say, Kate, I remember every good thing you've done in your life. Think about when when someone acknowledges your hard and beautiful and sacrificial work, even if it's just like, hey, Nick, you're doing a great job here. There's something about being like recognized for what you've done. And, and the king of the universe is gonna look you in the eyes and recognize the good things that you've done. He will not, he doesn't forget, listen to this, when you battle against temptation in the private places and you don't give in, God sees it every time. Every single time. Um, when, when your friend or your spouse says something to you and it's hurtful and you choose not to fight fire with fire, he sees it every time. When you are generous, when you're sacrificial, when when there's a need and, and you meet it and it costs you something and no one else knows about it, God sees it. When you pray and you fast and you do things purely because you love the Lord, he sees it every single time. Guys, it's amazing to think about a God that does this, that is storing up that is storing up, remembering every single time. And he sees it. It's an amazing blessing to know that our God, that know that Yahweh God, Jesus, the King of the universe is all-knowing. And the enemy wants us to only concentrate on our weaknesses and our struggles and to make us these fearful people. No, but we come alive when we think about our God being all-knowing. The fact that our all-knowing God will, will use us to help people who don't know him come to know him. The fact that all-knowing God will allow our lives and our witness and, and our holiness and our words of sharing our story and being bold and, and inviting that person to church and sharing about what God's doing in our life, that God will use our life to awaken people to our God. And so much of it is just in the secret. Like, you know, Becca, you just being faithful, just week in and week out, just, just being a consistent light. And no one sees it, no one recognizes you, but God sees it. God uses it. And Grace Ann, you're consistent, just, just laying down your life for, for your coworkers and your family and your neighbors and, and all those places where you long to be recognized and Rochelle, all the places, the, the unseen places and Lee, all the things that, that you're doing that no one else sees and God sees it. And he remembers that. This morning, I want us to to think about this verse. We're going to take communion. I love 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It says, we all with unveiled faces as we contemplate the Lord's glory. So as we think about the Lord, it says that we are becoming like him. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And so this morning, what I want us to do is just to look at God. So we're going to take communion. I encourage you to to circle up with the people that are around you and, and to spend a, just you know three or four or five minutes answering this question. We can throw this question up, please, as you're answering this question. You know what aspect of God being all knowing resonates most with you right now, and why? Just spend a few minutes just sharing. Hey, as I think about. That, that God is gonna celebrate us or that God comforts us. Just spend a few minutes opening up your heart. Don't just come here and listen to a teaching. Share with the people around you. And then four or five minutes later, I'm gonna get back up and, and, and call us back into worship. So let's take a minute as you're taking communion, eat the bread, drink the cup, remember that Christ died for you. And then I'll call us back into a time of, 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 of prayer and worship here in just a minute. So let's take the next four or five minutes, circle up with the people around you, wrestle with this question. All right, let's do that.